It's Tom O'Brien with AV Nation with an AV Nation special. We are highlighting the SEN um, Hall of Fame uh, for 2020. Uh, what the SEN does, and our, our buddy Megan Dutta, she highlights a number of industry uh, personalities, industry executives, and folks who have made a difference in the industry. And with me today to talk about his induction into the SEN Hall of Fame is Rodrigo Ordonez. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Good morning. Uh, Rodrigo is is a principal at K2 out in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And and I, I said this to you um, uh, off of the air before we started recording, but but as a former programmer, good God, you have a lot of really great certifications, dude. Thank you. So uh, you, you check out K2 and 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 Rodrigo is is has got the AMX, he's got a you know, bunch of other stuff. But let's talk about kind of where where you have been and then kind of you know what what uh, what has led you to this point. Start for a second in, in, in kind of a general overarching question that that's it's fun to find out where people are from in this industry is, is how did you get involved in AV? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I always say I'm, you know, I'm a frustrated rock star by nature. That's, you know, that's where I come from. That's uh, 95% of the AV industry, just for the record. Like, like many others, you know, I wanted to be either, you know, on the stage or behind the board. Right. Uh, so I did, um, uh, I did my master's in music engineering technology uh, at the University of Miami. So, you know, really wanted to be in the, in the, you know, studio business and halfway through it, I, you know, after seeing what some other folks experienced in their internships and other things at studios, I decided that I was not necessarily what I wanted for me. So I started looking at other options and um, somehow when I was looking for work, I really thought I was going to end up in engineering, uh, you know, somewhere in electronics. Uh, making, you know, making the guitars instead of playing the guitars. But um, some, um, you know, my advisor back then kind of put me in the direction of a friend of his who was a contractor out in California. And I had one phone call with her and it, it just kind of totally changed my perspective because as many of us in this industry, I had no idea this industry existed. Uh, so she, um, she pointed me to a few options. Uh, I applied and, you know, got an offer for a company I didn't know and a town I had never been in and decided that, you know, there were a lot of other options. So I might as well give it a shot. And, you know, I just had really good luck. I love it here. Uh, the company I went to was great. And then I found the opportunity with Bagman Peak Audio, uh, which, you know, most of us from, from the consulting side of Peak Audio moved over to K2. And so I've been, you know, with the same group uh, at K2 now for uh, 15, 16 years. Well, you know, with the same group for almost 20 years, but at K2 for 15 years now. Um, so it's, you know, a, a lot of good luck. Um, and, uh, you know, as I always say, like, I was still kind of figuring it out. And then I went to my first Infocom show in Orlando in 2003, I think, 2002, something like that. And it just totally transformed my life. Like it just, you know, it was so much fun. And I was like, oh, this is actually a cool, you know, a cool work to be in. Like it just, everything seemed so spectacular and amazing that it, it was, I think like a lot of others, you know, all the blinking lights and, and everything just did it for me. Um, so um, yeah, I got on the roll and decided this was the life for me and, you know, got committed. That, that story right there is, is so similar to a lot, including, you know, my, my own, you know, my, my first, Infocom as well was, you know, not just, it was the, blink, it was the blinking lights, right? It really, it really was. It was the technology and it was the experience of walking up and down the aisle going, okay, this, this is what's really possible. Uh, and it is amazing to me, um, especially in, in this year where 
um, with the exception of, of ISC, there hasn't been a show, right? There hasn't been one of those experiences and not sure exactly when, when we'll get back to that. So, um, you know, that, that's very similar to, to a bunch of other folks that in, in kind of their experience in, in getting wrapped in. Um, yeah. talk, me, talk me through, though, if, if folks aren't familiar with the, how, you, how you go from, from wanting to or, or, or looking at the, 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 the front of house board, right, and getting from there to consultancy. What is it about being a consultant that kind of still drives that, that desire and still drives that, that AV uh, edge for you? Yeah, so for me, I, you know, beside the artistic part, I was always pretty geeky on technology and engineering. So that's why I you know, ended up going for music engineering and not just music recording because I, I like the nuts and bolts of things. Uh, so when I got into consulting um, and was able to find a group where you know we weren't just looking at kind of off the shelf stuff and you know finding catalogs and figuring out this can go here, but really trying to come up with a, the right solution for for you know the different systems. And you know we did a lot of custom, we still do, but even then more just custom engineering, custom products, custom solutions for our clients. Uh, that really drove or kind of fulfilled my internal engineering side. Um, and it kept it, you know, very dynamic. Um, I, you know, it was interesting because again, coming from wanted to be a rock star for about 10 years, 99% of what I did was legislative spaces. So, mm-hmm. you know, hearing rooms and, you know, courtrooms and things like that, which if you ask any 18 year old that wants to be a rock star, if they want to be working doing legislative spaces, that would probably be the last answer they would give you. Uh, but they were so tech- technologically uh, heavy and we had, we had the ability to do very creative things within that environment that it, it really showed me a side of not just audio and video, but technology that I didn't really appreciate existed. Um, and you know, it, it was funny because at some point I almost forgot that I was in it for the audio, which is really what got me into it, even though I, I still love it. But you know, I, I, I started realizing I was focusing a lot more on whether you know, the monitoring was working and whether I could see the right lights and see the right things happening and you know, sometimes even forgetting like, oh, this system also needs to sound pretty good besides all this working, right? All this network stuff and all this. So um, I really just got um, totally um, you know, fascinated by the technology side of it. Um, and I think that's what keeps me going even to this day is to keep finding um, not just new technologies, but creative ways to use old and new technology to, to you know, put things out there that clients just don't expect. Uh, you know, because most of our clients and all of our, you know, people that use AV, which has really, you know, become the masses, they have an expectation based on what they have at their house, was based on what they've seen in another office, and really trying to trying to surprise them and show them that there's a lot more beyond what they expect. That that to me is is, is a big driving force in what I do. You you I mentioned the fact that you've got a, your your AMX uh, certification. Um, you've also got your know, CTSD. CompTIA uh, Network Plus, which is which is quite interesting, and I want to kind of go down this road for a second. Um, the, it, there's been a lot made uh, of the last 20 years uh, of of the convergence, and and I have I am of the opinion that may or it may or may not be popular, but but that it's it's done, it's over, it's it's you know the the the, the horse has left the barn, we're there, right? So talk about for a second the last 20 years, the last 17 years since your first Infocom. And that evolution where, you know, yes, you know, you wanted to be on stage, you want to be in front of house, but, but you've, you've worked now and, and it's evolved to where you, you, you've got your network plus for a reason, 
right? Because it's necessary in what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the, the main evolution that I've seen, at least, you know, definitely in me, but I think in the industry overall, and I agree with you, I think when, when I keep hearing like, you know, we're working on this convergence, I think that happened many years ago and yeah. we shouldn't be talking about it that way. Uh, but the main, the main difference I see uh, is how we communicate, you know, in AV and how, how knowledgeable we are as AV professionals of the networking side of things. So, you know, we used to focus on whether a product could be networked and then IP and like we have jacks and we can plug them in, but we really had an AV mindset towards the application of networking in AV. We still want it or, you know, and, and sometimes we still want to think of network as an AV solution uh, versus trying to really use the flexibility and what a network provides to expand what AV can, can do. And I think that's the evolution I've seen before. It's like it's utility, like let's put a network jack because you know people are asking for it, and let's see what it can do to to provide a, a Navy service. And now it's like let's take you know with streaming, you know, becoming you know, kind of all over in video and other things. Um, we are seeing more of a how can we take the AV we know of and really expand it with what network provides. And you know, on the on the CompTIA and some other things, I think to me what's you know what's always been key, and and mostly because I got embarrassed in some early conversations. You know, that's how you learn when you, you know, I I got to sit in front of an IT guy at a stadium, and he asked me some questions, and I said something stupid, and then you know the whole conversation went downhill, and I didn't get what I wanted. Uh, I I figured out well I better learn about this thing because if I can't talk to these guys, then I'm never going to be able to have an impact and really you know, push through uh, what we're trying to do from the Navy side. So, you know, that's where the CompTIA certification came from, but also just in general, just trying to know and learn as much about uh, the IT side, but not just as it comes from AV, but as they learn it, right? I mean, try to learn IT the way IT professionals learn it and try to understand the terminology and the, the concepts so that you know, when they bring it, just like us, we have some very specific way we talk about things and IT professionals and the IT world have very specific ways they talk about things as well. And so uh, I think it's critical for us, you know, overall SAV to be able to talk not just the same language, but in the same way as they do. Well, I, I kind of wanted, wanted to have you drill down on that because there are so many folks who have, who have written and, and talked about you know, we need to have the same language as IT. We need to do this, that, and the other. We need, we need, I've even heard it argue, we need to educate the IT industry on how we talk. And I think that, that sometimes that's, that's the wrong approach. You went about and got your network plus because that's how IT talk, talks, right? So you, right. you learned how, how your customers, quite frankly, and the folks that are, that are the gatekeepers for the network talk so you could talk to them explain to, to someone who's who's sitting here at maybe, you know what, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years and I, I started an RS-232, you know, with my eyes shut in 1999 and I'm, I'm okay. Explain to them the difference between that and and really kind of understanding how, how the network works, but also how the customer talks today versus how they did 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I don't think one thing necessarily goes against the other. I mean, I think it is important for us to, figure out ways to engage, you know, IT professionals and just the outside world in general to understand what, how AV talks, right? And what we, how we approach AV. Uh, the more they understand where we're coming from, obviously the easier it's gonna be for them to listen to us and embrace what we're trying to do. Uh, 
but that is never going to work if we don't also do the opposite and try to you know understand you know how they're communicating and and one of the biggest issues i see with with av and, and it is similar to what you said right like we keep talking about where's the convergence going to happen and it happened 15 years ago and just like that like we go you know ic it informational classes materials and everything for av and it does seem like we're still in 1986. Like the, the things, the concepts we're learning and the way we're learning them um, are just not the way modern IT folks are, are, are you know, working. I'll, I'll give you an example. So I'm, I'm working on a network plant design uh, for broad, you know, kind of video distribution, but very broadcast heavy with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Simply 2110 and other kind of newer video standards. And, you know, I went ahead and reached out to a few switch manufacturer network uh, platform manufacturers and the way they communicate about what the topology should be, you know, what you should do to basically design that solution and design that network has absolutely nothing to do with how traditional AV would be put forward, right? And how we would design our systems and then look at the network plant as a as a replacement to a switcher, basically, right? Um, and so if we try to design, you know, towards those technologies that are driven from IT, they're not being driven by AV. If we keep thinking in our AV mindset and try to design in an AV-centric way, we're not gonna, one, fulfill the potential of what those technologies can give us, but also we're probably gonna be running to a lot of issues because we're trying to fit a, you know, a square peg in a round hole, right? We're not we're not really attacking the solution correctly because that technology is not, it's not designed with an AD mindset. And so we can't just fit it by, by doing that. I wish I could take you and put you on top of a mountain with a megaphone, dude. I really, <laughs> really do. Well, you know, um, one interesting thing, cause you mentioned like a uh, traditional and you know, one example is electrical, right? Like it's the same yeah. concept. Like we can't just say, oh, I'm just going to go to that electrical contractor and tell them you have to learn AV and forget about it. You have to learn electrical. And AV has known for a while, we have to understand what grounding is, what power is. So it's hard to understand why we say, yeah, but I don't care about learning IT. Well, it's the same thing. It's, it's peripheral disciplines and technologies that if we don't learn about them, we can't really communicate with them. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So without breaking any NDAs, and again, NDA stands for non-disclosure agreement. It's kind of my rule. If I use an acronym, I got to just define it. Um, what's some of the coolest project you've worked on? Maybe not, maybe not even the coolest, just the ones that you've been most proud of at the end of the day when you when you walk into the, the facility, once it's done and the, the dust has been cleaned off and, and, and you guys are doing the the final walkthrough, the grand opening. What are some of the ones that you've been most proud of? And go, that's that I had, I had a hand in that. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, definitely my, you know, my baby for many years was a lot of the work we did for the U.S. Senate out in Washington D.C. Um, so, you know, I did the system designs and configuration and programming for most of the hearing rooms that are running on Capitol Hill. Um, most of them on the Senate and quite a few on the House. Um, and again, you know, when, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, uh, you know, that would seem like a pretty, um, pretty simple thing for me. Like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of microphones. But there's just a, a really amazing amount of technology behind those systems. Uh, they kind of revolutionized, revolutionized the way that everything became, you know, network-based. And, you know, here we're talking about early 2000s, uh, everything network-based, central monitoring, a lot of the things that kind of we were talking about back then, but that were not really being implemented yet in projects we were putting through and 
um, if, if, you know, it's a 10, 12 year project and in the end, you know, all through it as rooms were coming online, it was very fulfilling, but see it at the end and see all the systems be upgraded. And, you know, it's very visible because you can turn TV and see the system you did on TV. And so it just, it's, uh, you know, it definitely was uh, kind of a, you know, proud, proud thing to be involved in. And I still, I still love the fact that, you know, that was part of what I did. Um, and then I think you mentioned the programming side at the beginning and you know, I'm a big, big sports fan. I love sports, uh, football, soccer, anything, but football and soccer, especially, but, um, you know, I, I will be at a stadium anytime you ask me to be at a stadium. I just love it for whatever event it is. And so I've worked in a few NFL stadiums, a couple college uh, stadiums, and those are always, um, uh, just amazing. Yeah. Mostly on the programming side, programming the DSP systems for them. But, you know, there's few things that compare, you know, just like people that work at LifeSound, you know, when you're finished with a job and you pump ACDC at 10 p.m. with an empty stadium and can listen to it loud, it's, it's pretty fulfilling. I can only imagine. And he's out in, in, in Colorado, so that stadium has to be, if, if you've not been there, you, you, you should definitely make a, awesome. make a trek there. And, and as, a, as a Bears fan, you know, Soldier Field is, 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 is unique in that as well as it's, it's an, it's an, out, I, and just personally, I like the outdoor stadium. There's nothing wrong with indoor, yeah. uh, being from St. Louis. Um, we have our dome here. Nobody's there now, but we have a dome, you know, whatever. Um, we go, uh, and I did not mean to get over into sports for a second, but, um, as we wrap up here, take a look at the next year or so. And, and I'm not going to say take COVID out of it cause you can't right? Um, but the, cause that, that, not for nothing, but that will have an impact on some of the technology, at least that's being released in the next 12 months, maybe 18 months. But take a look at the industry as you see it, right? And, and from your, your unique perspective and kind of give me, you know, what do you see happening for the next year, maybe in the next two years? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it, it's funny because it's one of those questions that's been asked probably, you know, a lot this year in every setting. And yeah. it's, it's changed over the past eight months how people have answered it, right? Um, obviously, the answer in January would have nothing to do with the answer right now. But even Amen, brother. the past three, four months, it's, it's varied a lot. I think, uh, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see how much you know, we, we can't, it's really difficult these days. Like I said, it's hard to take COVID out of it, but it's it's very difficult to take even the society response that will happen over the next two or three years to any industry, right? But I, I think yeah. AV in general, like what happens with the workspace will affect AV significantly. What happens with higher ed and all the educational environments will affect AV significantly. Uh, you know, I've mentioned corporate, but even government facilities, everything. So I think what will be very interesting to see is how AV reacts to that change. Because I think right now there's a lot of things that a lot of people are doing right to address the situation short term. And a lot of those will remain long term. Obviously, you know, collaboration and remote, you know, remote stuff, you know, Zoom, WebEx, all this is here to stay and it's going to become more and more prevalent. There's no question, uh, you know, big companies are not going to be able to get 100% of the workforce back to the office in six months. Um, but how much overreaction is happening versus what is going to remain as the change in two, three years? I, I think to me, that's the key as we design systems, as we you know, design products, and as we integrate it, as everything we do in AV, because it's not fair on our customers for us right now to address, if I'm contracted to do a design tomorrow, and I just address it looking at the reality today in this crazy world of 2020, then I think I'm 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 not going to be being uh, you know fair and you know really providing a good product or solution to my client in two three years right because we're going to be in a different reality once things adapt um, you know I, I 
I keep saying this year, and maybe I'm just trying to convince myself because I'm, I'm an optimist more than anything, but that I think human nature will get the best of us. And, yep. you know, we'll all be back together. There'll be people need to be together. They need to, you know, work together. We see it at my office. You know, we've been able to work really well remotely, but we're dying to be together and be able to, you know, talk for a little bit in person and do those kind of things. So there's, I, I have no doubt that there's going to be a huge pendulum swing coming back at some point after, you know, the COVID isolation year, basically. Um, and I think we need to be very mindful to, you know, on the AV technology, the science systems, everything to keep that in mind and be fair in how we're approaching things and not be short-sighted to just overreact. And I'm not trying to minimize that it's a big deal and we need to take some, you know, really intense and strong actions right now. Um, but I think we need to be smart and, and make sure we look at the, you know, at least the midterm picture, you know, the next four five years and not just the next four or five months. That's a great, great point. And I'm with you on the optimism. So Rodrigo Ordonez from uh, K2, but also I, I, the newest member of the SCN Hall of Fame. Thank you, sir. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or K2? Um, well, through our website, you know, this is k2.com. That's how you can find out more about K2. Uh, my email is, you know, Rodrigo at k2adt.com. And I'm always happy to hear from people. So, uh, you know, you can find us and find myself on LinkedIn. Um, I always uh, also like to hear from people that way. So, yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, on Rodrigo Adonis from K2, uh, SCN Hall of Fame. For us, for Aviation, go by our website, avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including an interview with all the other uh, SCN Hall of Famers. Uh, we'll be releasing these. Uh, I don't know what order we're doing this in. That's un- entirely up to Mitchell, uh, my producer. So he will uh, he will put these out. So uh, check those out as well at avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. Mm-hmm.